0: Let's talk about it
1: hello and welcome back to thick radio the podcast where we talk about gaining and everything in its orbit i'm james
0: And I'm Tim. So let's get into it. Today we're joined by a special guest. You know them, you love them. We Today we've got Daniel.
1: Yay! Hello! Welcome. Hey Daniel, how you doing?
2: I'm alive and that's the best I can say right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listen, uh, listeners, we are still in COVID pandemic times, no matter what governments are saying. So, you know, alive is positive. That's definitely a win. That's a win. I just
2: got over a cold too. So if I sound funny, (laughs)
1: you know how how was that experience having a cold considering the state of the world at the moment is 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 it a bit of a novelty to have a
2: COVID illness uh it was about three seconds of panic because every you micro uh analyze every single symptom of okay is this related to covid is this this well i'm vaccinated so it shouldn't be severe or as severe but do i uh super fun and then i had uh my bucket list musical that i was going to see the band's visit in hollywood uh and i got sick literally the week before
1: oh no so you couldn't go
2: no i did go (laughs) i fought to get well and i'm fully healthy so I didn't spread it to family. I didn't spread it to friends. Everything's good. I well, managed so what did to you what did
0: you, you do? Just load up on a ton of like vitamin C and echinacea? Were you just like guzzling a gallon of orange juice? And uh, well, actually, uh, as, a, as a theater person, I'll, I'll take a stab at this. Was it perhaps cold black
1: tea with perhaps some ginger and honey flavor? No, no, no.
2: Actually, uh, I take cold meds very regularly. Uh, and I am very hygienic and stuff like that. So I laundered all my bedding, you know, constantly clean hand sanitizer, stuff like that. So I'm not perpetuating a cold where if you like sit and stew with germs, it gets worse and worse and it just kind of lingers. I get rid of everything. And so it, my colds last three days.
0: wow I really wish that I could adopt that because when I do get a cold now it's rare I haven't gotten one in like seven years or something like that but when I do get one I isolate like I am I'm the kind of person who's just like leave me the fuck alone I'm gonna go to my cave with my blankets and my hot water bottle and my television and just don't talk to me (laughs) fair
2: fair Mm -hmm. very much the same but I I tried to be proactive so that way I'm healthy as fast as possible I like, that. especially since my life is too busy and I have you know things that I want to do
1: <laughs> well, well what, what are you busy with what kind of things do you do are they performance adjacent things perhaps Daniel
2: just maybe just a little bit I maybe. run my own theatrical company so I am constantly being bombarded by messages from clients from producers from actors from writers as we put on shows all over the West Coast, so. Fun, fun, fun. And ladies
1: and gentlemen, that is the topic of today's episode. We are talking theater and performance. And before we really get into the episode, you know, I do wanna say this, as someone who has also done a lot of theater in their time, I have noticed a staggering number of like, arts people in the Gaynor community. There are a number of singers, and actors and dancers well you know ex-dancers they tend to be a bit too tubby these days to do much <laughs> you know they'll they'll do a mean shuffle across the stage um but you know there's there's a lot of us i've noticed mm-hmm. um so i mean to, to kind of open things up Daniel, has that been your experience have you connected with a lot of performance type folk in the community
2: i do uh in the community i do find a lot of ex-performers which makes me sad Because I think I don't care what size I am, you're not going to take me away from the stage, but not everybody has the same life goals and that's okay. Uh, But I do connect with all the nerdy theater people that I love and, you know, most of my uh, grammar fam is all theater people, stuff like that. So we'll just nerd out over musicals or fight, you know, one of those two
1: i like that i mean listen if you're too big for the stage just become the stage
2: <laughs> there's no there's no such thing as too big for the stage that is my belief so they there you go just get a bigger stage bitch.
0: you just like have to make ride. sure that the uh, floor has been reinforced
1: you know, the Greeks invented like the open round theater girl on a on a sort of stone platform. You know, if the wooden stage is not substantial, yes. go go to the old Greek Greco-Roman theaters. You know, right. make and it the,
2: work. Invent site-specific theater. You know, I don't always perform in traditional rake stages. I've performed in bookstores and tea shops and stuff like that. Make it work. You do not have to do theater in always a traditional stage make it work
1: make it work and I mean that's kind of the the vibe of theater really isn't it because what you're doing is you're playing make-believe you're playing dress up yeah what's the purpose of a stage other than just an area in which you set the scene it's a canvas it's a canvas and look you wouldn't question the bookstore in oh gosh what was that one with Hugh Grant and uh, Julia Roberts you know he walks up and spills the coffee on her, and she's a famous actress
0: oh, not a girl,
1: that's the one like nobody would have questioned a scene set in a bookstore in a movie, so why question a scene in a bookstore in a stage production? you know why not it's It's all part of the fantasy. um I do want to ask, how long have you really engaged in theater, and what was what was the instigation for you?
2: okay. So I have been, I just did the math, and now I have to try and remember. I have been involved in theater for 16 years. So it was uh, high school. You have to take an elective your freshman year. And I selected something else, and I was thrown into drama as the elective. And I was kind of an accidental drama kid at first. And then I actually did theater and fell in love, you know, second one basically. I had a fantastic drama teacher so I've just been stuck in this world and I cannot get out and I don't care.
1: Oh I love that. You know I, I, I think a passionate drama teacher will just change your life. They are in a weird, well maybe not so much a weird way, they're not like a parent, they're like a mentor almost. Yes. They yes. really do nurture something creative inside of you and because theatre and drama is kind of like, not to say base level, but you know, you can kind of go from there and look at the potential of drag and you can look at musical theatre and singing and specifically doing dance. And even if you're not an on the stage type of person, costuming, makeup, the production, lighting, sound, and even set design moving through into painting and sculpting and, and all those other things. I think it really is, at least in our modern scholastic system, one of the best based things that you can put any kind of burgeoning child into because they will just discover that artistic passion, and a good teacher will really bring that out of them
2: absolutely, I agree with all of that
1: oh my gosh but so so you 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 got involved accidentally, which I love that because you've you've always got i feel the two types of people in theater you've either got for reference point for everyone rachel berry from glee like yes who knew that they were born to be the star from Uh, my mum says i'm talented i've got a good voice and she put me in little teeny tiny tots early modeling pageant i was in a tv commercial when i was two minutes old and you know (laughs) there's that person
2: (laughs) dare you read me like this no (laughs)
1: And then then you've actually kind of got the other category of people who somehow find their way into theatre. And I do feel that it's that typical theatre family vibe that mm -hmm. snatches people really quick. Because you spend so much time in rehearsals and when someone drives, it's lifts to and from rehearsal and you got to get food before and after. And then when you don't have money for a rehearsal space, it's going over to someone's house and it's rehearsing in the lounge room and then crashing on the couch and watching movies and having movie nights. And it's all those things where you just become this little unit yes. so quickly. And then the show ends and your little family breaks up and it is genuinely
2: quite traumatizing. Yes. <laughs> I I say if you want to make more friends join a show you do not have to act you do not have to audition you can just be because we always need crew members and volunteers because it takes about maybe two hours and you become lifelong friends because you have to because you're going to end up like dressing with these people this close to each other like an inch away and it's like we have no shame there are no walls because there are no walls oh, i have to oh, be 100
1: percent. back when i thought i was straight and doing theater and being like oh i get to be in the area with all the girls because you know there's not enough room for a boy in a girl change room so you know we all have to change <laughs> together and like there's not time for any of that like the, no. like you have to do a quick change and like you're yeah. too busy doing your own shit to turn around and look at boobies but also <laughs> the boobies aren't like out and free girl It is also very likely, depending on the show, outfit, period, and number, that they might even be taped down. So, like, I promise you, it's not that glamorous. It's fully just, you're all there, sweaty... Smelly and just going. I'm really sorry. Can someone pass me like the fifteenth can of like antiperspirant? And can someone part like throw me the hairspray? And like you throw the one and you grab the other and you've done the hair and you just quickly do your face again and then you have to go back out on stage and it's hands and it's all the smiles and it's up and it's energy and you haven't broken character and everything is fine. Nobody knows the stress and the drama backstage.
2: Oh, how dare you narrate my life story like this? I'm a theater
1: <laughs> Can you tell? Didn't do it, bitch. Gosh. Well, I did <laughs> move to the UK with the intention of being like, oh, I'm going to be that person who, will like, I'm I'm too good for performing these days. I'll work a regular job. And then, you know, I'll, I'll come across someone who'll go, oh, you're actually really talented. And I'll go, me? You want me to be in a commercial? <laughs> but I haven't acted in so long. I mean, oh, I could okay. never, where is my, li- where are my li- where's my mark?
2: Right.
1: Where is the sound? Where is the camera? Where is, do do we need to touch up the face? Do we need more concealer? What do we need? um you know i haven't thought about that no not at all no not
2: at all you haven't practiced your oscar speech in the mirror at all
1: girl every person the first time they do a lead role i promise you they are stood in front of their mirror at some point believing to themselves that somehow a talent scout is going to be at their school and they're going to go do you know what jennifer coolidge thinks you're incredible and she wants to sign you on as like her daughter in the next major film and you're there like giving or like i want to say thank you to everyone i want to say thank you to taryn for being my really good friend supporting me through all of this i want to thank mr smith for being really encouraging and even though brenda was a fucking cunt um you know like she did okay with sound i guess and she didn't make me look too bad so like thank you everyone just thank you
2: thank you uh and then you have the wizards show hag like me who's like i won't see you again after this show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: because theater companies will remember people, especially if you act like a diva. Oh yeah. Remember you. And they'll go, Oh, when you audition, we will miraculously cut you from the list. I don't know what happened to your name or your audition reel, it got lost in post. I'm ever so sorry. Try again next. My,
2: my parent needed something to line its cage with and your audition form was just there. And you know, it's too hard to call you back and try to have you fill it out again. It just worked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Outside of the things that you produce on your own, like let's just look at theatre. The the typical theatre company, your local theatre company, looking through different scripts, looking to um... oh gosh, why have I forgotten that word? Looking to tender, that's the word. Looking to tender for different rights and roles and all sorts. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of that specifically for plus size people?
2: specifically is where it gets a little bit muddy uh not a lot of scripts are written actually with bodies in mind right? not not saying that there aren't like i read uh, recently read read again eugene o'neill's long day's journey into night and he is hyper specific in his stage directions on how these characters look to the point i'm like there's like three people on earth that are gonna look like this <laughs> like open, be a little bit more broad in how you want people to look, (laughs) but uh, a lot of more uh, modern scripts uh, tend to just stick to ages. So uh, a producer, a director, a casting director, they could theoretically, if they want to, uh, cast as many plus-size people as they want. You know, uh, the hard part is getting them to want to but uh, that I find more with straight plays musicals it's a little bit more rigid and Mm. less favorable I mean you think of if you try to think of notable plus size characters in musical theater I mean like the first one that pops in my head is Tracy Turnblad from Hairspray
1: I was gonna say it's like most of like the women role in fact almost all the women roles in Hairspray Tracy and uh Motormouth Maybell
2: Yep.
1: And yeah, like, in terms of people who we know descriptively are plus size, it, it kind of starts and finishes there in terms of mainstream musicals. As you say, you could cast someone to be bigger or smaller for the most part, but the likelihood of that outside of requirement is not very likely.
2: Not very
0: likely. I'm betting, well, that but- it. No, Go ahead. <clears throat> Sorry, I was going to say I'm betting it happens a lot more in opera because that's just about the voice. It really has yeah, nothing o- to do with opera.
2: Yeah, opera is opera is very open. So.
1: Yes, opera is all about the talent and you'll know that it's all about the talent because if you ever meet an opera person, they will never not tell you that they are extremely talented. True facts. They would never stoop to do something as stupid and silly and disgusting as musical theater. I can't believe what Gilbert and Sullivan have done to the idea of music. Patter songs used to be something glorious done operatically, and now they're just something campy. I am the very model of a modern major general. How very dare you, sir? I will never do that. I do the
0: arias, and I perform on the main stage. I am a soloist. I am not on- a <laughs> soloist. Bad I'm bad glad I have metal <laughs> Is it bad that my favorite Gilbert and Sullivan is the Mikado, despite the fact that there's no Asian people ever cast in that? <laughs>
1: No comment. So here's an interesting one, right? Because you've got, for instance, um, oh gosh, and again, I just had the name of it and it's gone out of my head. They do that song. No, it's Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yes. That's an example of a show where there are Asian characters that are never played by Asian persons and their entire thing is to make horrendously stereotypical... Asian noises as is is their direction and that's problematic.
2: That's very problematic.
1: (laughs) I think there's been a lot of that over the years and I think... Yes. It's a hard one in theatre because to a degree by virtue of purchasing show rights I will therefore put on this musical there isn't actually always a lot of wiggle room to clean up those sections, and you tend to get theater people who fall into two camps. You get theater people that aren't particularly precious, they don't mind that it'll be changed, they think that's a great thing to do to showcase more the art, the talent, rather than go the thing. And then you get the category of people who go, even though it's inappropriate, it was written in the 40s and that was the way they did it and that's how we should do it today. The fact that they would change this is stupid. You know,
0: so. Yeah, but with that one specifically, it, it's worse because, you know, the some of the character names are really, really bad, like Pity Sing and Pooh Bah and Yum Yum. Like, Gosh. those are... Mm -hmm. Those are names that you can't really get around the racism, but God, I love that musical.
1: No, the only examples of like a stereotypical uh, race-related name that I think is brilliant and should be approved of is a drag queen of color going there with her own naming conventions because that, of course, is claiming and reclamation of insult and it's owning it and it's power and authority. It's not... uh, uh, a scene in a Chinese laundry where they're trying to vaguely convey something in gibberish because why would they bother? So, you know, things like that are always touch and go. And for me personally, if the opportunity for a show comes along where there are those elements, I myself do tend to avoid it just because for me personally, I would never want to find myself in the position of questioning. Because even though you're just the actor, you don't necessarily get to make that choice. You're still the person performing it. And a lot of people do place the onus and responsibility on you for being the one having done it. So, yeah. Things like that worth considering. Um, The other thing I was thinking of recently, and we're going to do an episode on this specifically because they're making a film about it with um, Brendan Fraser. Um, I
2: wondered if you were going to bring that up. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know, it is a play uh, by I believe it's Samuel D. Hunter called The Whale, uh, and it is an extremely problematic show, which in so it, problematic in its summation is a homosexual ex. I can't remember if he's ex-Christian, ex-Mormon, he's more ex-Mormon, ex-Mormon. Ex, uh, homosexual ex-Mormon who has a wife and family, leaves them to become an out homosexual and finds a partner. And this all happens before the play plot um but then his partner dies and i can't remember if it's meant to be hiv aids but you know he's dying he's dead for some reason and i think that's the inference and then what he does is he eats himself to being over 600 pounds and he's like laying in his own filth in his home on his couch Obviously because of the size of him, all the actors who've had to portray this character so far have had to wear horrendous fat suits. Um, and I believe the ending of the play uh, is him coming back to Jesus before he dies from heart failure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah.
0: Woof. Yeah. Not,
2: not a play I ever want to pick up or see or spend money on.
1: So that's getting made into a film by Darren Aronofsky. Um there's obviously a lot of conversation around, you know, like, why it's seen to be appropriate, apparently, and all this other kind of shit. But, like, there's literally an interview with Samuel D. Hunter where he's talking about, like, why he made him to be fat. He's like, yeah, it just seemed like the most logical coping mechanism, like, when someone in your life dies. And, you know, it's such a, a visual and visceral thing that the audience can understand, you know, as a, as a thing to be helped and cured. And I'm just sat there like,
0: oh, wow. Whatever happened to alcoholism? You no, know,
1: like I just, I'm, I'm looking at Samuel D. Hunter. Like I'm not trying to be nasty, but if I could curse you with immobility of obesity, oh, I think that would be glorious. <laughs> wouldn't that just be?
2: Go there, sis.
1: Oh, <laughs> how does it feel to make your trauma onto the subject of like just a narrative to be cute? Anyways, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. No, oh no, that's a play that's been made and. Obviously, with its plot, we're not fans of it. Um, How is fat as a concept otherwise addressed in theatre? And, like, let's not say shows themselves, show plot lines, but you're a director in a show. You happen to have fat performers. How do the fat performers get treated versus the slender performers?
2: Well, in... Okay so as a disclaimer for anyone listening is that my company is a strange little Shangri-La of strangeness where we literally don't do anything like other theater companies do and therefore uh, I I don't want to be used as a like litmus test of this is what everyone does Uh, because with uh, I cast a a lot a lot of plus size performers in my company and they are some of the most heralded loved award winning uh absolutely treasures of the company and stuff like that uh this is an exception this isn't the rule which breaks my heart cuz these people are fantastic and so uh as a whole in theater Fat people are treated like shit. It's just how it is. Uh, One thing that was really interesting in how you were talking about the whale and it kind of just came to me is that fat people uh, and fat in general is treated as an identity, but not respected as an identity. So Mm. you will get all of the like phobia that you would probably get with like homophobia and racism and stuff like that they will treat you shittily as if that somehow this is a horrible identity but however is not respected as an identity because it's seen as a personal choice as bad as like saying being gay is a personal choice which Mm. as we know it's not yeah so it's 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 having all of the the ugly baggage that comes with something that is seen as an identity but without any of the consequences that comes of being treated as such. So, you know, it's okay to hate on these people because mm. it is not actually an identity, but we're going to hate them as if it is some kind of very deep personal identity, mm. which is just insanity in and of itself. So
1: It's definitely a comment that gets made a lot that the sort of distinction between fat phobia and a lot of others is that fatness is treated as a moral issue. Yeah. And the root of why health is preferenced over their humanity is because it's seen as such a, an abhorrent uh, smear and ma against humanity that for you to be fat means that you sacrifice your right to humanity and human treatment, that therefore you must be treated as such. So that's it's it's quite a frustrating uh observation but also as gainers to experience Mm -hmm. i mean as time goes on do you find yourself intentionally casting more plus-size actors or writing in roles for plus-size actors
2: as again with uh my company and when we produce our own original material i i don't go for body descriptors because that's not always what I'm looking for I go for character relationships and I usually listen to voice and emotional range and if you've got it you've got the part well anything that has to do with your body with like costuming and stuff that comes after your cast and I will just cast who I think is right for the part and not care but in terms of a, a script I'm currently writing right now is inspired by my family and I am hyper-specific on body types because, A, it's my family, but I also wanted to see, you know, this, this character is in her 60s and she's not thin. I don't want this like glamorous Miranda Priestley type character because that's not her character. It doesn't make sense. Mm. And, so, and I want to see a leading plus-sized woman in a great family drama. Because I don't see a whole lot of that and I'm like and it's inspired by my mom and my mom is not a twig so I want to see that character and it's specific this is important to me I want to see that in there because I don't see it anywhere else and it bothers me I don't see it anywhere else
1: I can appreciate that I mean I think there's something to that like representation in the media is often the most important thing and the biggest push for acceptance for different minorities and in minority spaces. So even in theatre, as much as it's maybe not something that's so widely attended and maybe treated as such an authentic uh, representation of modernity, I definitely think there's something to be said about presenting opportunities for people and being intentional with Mm -hmm. finding people who, yes, they can do the role, but also maybe they're a bit larger and maybe they're because they don't look like the typical person. You don't have all this expectation built up into the look. In fact, because they maybe don't look at all what you would expect to see of this typical blonde, thin, young, etc., etc., because they look the way they do, you can't have an expectation. So therefore, when the characterization comes, it hits you so much more because they're just coming at you with that raw talent. It's not in the look, in the actual personhood, which is truly the main skill in acting that's not to admonish costuming makeup and all the rest, but the main thing an actor brings is the character. And if you can't bring a yeah. character, that's
2: yeah. You could, you could dress up a clothes hanger, but it can't read the part. Yeah, you
1: can dress up a clothes hanger, but it won't throw itself onto the floor and then pull Christina out of bed and throw her. <laughs> I on...
0: knew you were going there. I knew you were going to go there.
2: Uh, uh,
1: now, that would be, I think that would be a great role for me,
0: is to play Mummy Dearest. But would you play it as, like, would you do Joan research? Would you try to do Joan? Or would you do Faye doing a caricature of Joan? Oh. I think it depends. Because I think
1: I would, I would want to do a, a fair portion of Faye doing Joan. Because I think that's how most people today now know of joan is this a yeah. dunaway version of joan so it'd be a lot of just snatched back face lines and just scowling just mm. I why known, are you
0: always looking at yourself in the mirror
1: i should have known you'd know where to find the boys and, and the
0: boobs.
1: christopher uh, christina damn it
2: see i would want to be christina in that and upstage the jump jo- there's the challenge okay <laughs> And make everyone go, gosh, Christina was so good that it made the person playing Joan Crawford just absolutely terrible and like steal all the thunder.
1: I'd love that. Her- but then who
0: would t- Tim could be Barbara? <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Green. Only if I got to play her like, so I-, I showed James all about Eve and he really loved the character actress that plays um, Betty Davis's secretary. He's like, right. that's you. And I'm like, so if I could play Barbara like that. Yes. Then I'd be, definitely. or Carol ann rather, the the personal assistant. If I could be Carol ann but play it like that character and all about Eve, I totally do it. Be like, yeah. are you are you going crazy again? What's wrong with you? Like, are you drunk? I tell you a sad story. <laughs> like, what a sad story,
1: full of everything but the dogs nipping at your at heels. At your heels, you know. Just oh how awful, you know. <laughs> I, I would love that. I would, also, I'd love an opportunity to bring out my Jennifer Coolidge. I think that would be so camp and so much fun.
2: We'll, re- we'll redo Legally Blonde, and maybe we'll do, like, Legally Ginger.
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, I'll be the L Woods, but as Jennifer Coolidge, if Jennifer Coolidge had to play L Woods.
2: There we go. There we go.
1: Is this a low viscosity rayon? <laughs> With a top loop half stitching on the hem. Can't have a top loop top half loop stitching on low viscosity rayon it would snag the fabric. And I know you didn't just get this thing. I saw it in last year's Vogue. So if you're gonna try to sell it to me for full price, you got the wrong girl. <laughs> you're already sold, I can see it in your eyes.
2: I'm already like, hmm, okay, so I've got that. So what do I need now for this show to happen? It's like a Peaches Christ production. Let's try. It. Oh my God, yes.
1: So, to clarify for the listeners, are you yourself a gainer? I am. You are a gainer. And you don't just do the backstage production stuff, you also perform on stage, correct?
2: I have, yes, many times.
1: Is weight Gain during the rehearsal period a frustrating experience?
2: Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, it depends on the show and it depends on how many hats I'm wearing at that time for me personally because I end up often being writer, director, producer, publicist and sometimes have to fill in as an actor because for some reason some actor decides that they can't do the show and drop out and I make voodoo dolls of them, Uh, but uh, it's, theater is very intensive work that you kind of don't feel is work at first. And then you're like, wow, I've been on my feet for like eight hours nonstop. Isn't this fun? (laughs) I haven't had a chance to sit down at all. Well, uh, Obviously with if I do musicals it's much more difficult because dance dance kills everything. Yeah. But uh, plays are usually but easier. You,
1: because you've you change your dress size however many times because in the space of just a couple of weeks you manage to lose just enough pounds that your measurements change and the clothing designers in the background go, Oh, well, just gotta, gotta take this, in. I constantly have to keep changing your clothes and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I've I've had that before. It's not fun.
2: Yeah. Uh, With my company, we're actually, we're very uh, body supportive and body positive. So -hmm. we design our costumes with a little bit of give to fit multiple body sizes. So that way in future, if things get revived, we want to use that costume again, it fits, you know, 17 different people rather than, and this will just fit you once. And that's all it's going to be used for once. I'm like, that's bad. That's bad costume. That was wasteful. I want to have this costume be used multiple times and fit different people. So. uh,
1: Oh, totally. And, you know, I was curious to ask, like, how do you best take care of yourself during a show performance?
2: uh, Definitely. I say the two biggest things are shoes. (laughs) Know what your shoes are. You're going to be on your feet for a long time in ways that you're not even consciously aware of at first because you'll be like talking and uh you might be doing your blocking on stage or you have to be running backstage or you're talking to your friends and all that sort of stuff and so you're on your feet for a really 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 long time and if you're not aware of having really good shoes it's going to be nightmare if you need an insole to give you support be really active with what you're shoe situation is because those are holding you up for a very very long time and the more comfort you have in that the more you're going to survive and then eat well and I for the past show that we did to come back after the pandemic our first live show one of the rules that I instituted is first we eat (laughs) acting first we eat uh because actors are notorious meal skippers if you've ever been in theater we are terrible because it's an evening show and it's usually after dinner but we have to be there like three hours early so we're like ah I'll eat after the show then you're like I'm exhausted so I will eat a bowl of french fries at a Denny's and then pass out uh that's not good
1: or I'll buy, like, 17 bags of, like, jelly lollies and sweets and just, like, nibble on those throughout the show, like, ruining your teeth, getting in your teeth, like, potentially fucking your singing voice. But you're like, no, it's fine. It's just a burst of sugar. That's all. That's all I need. God, why do I feel dizzy standing up too quickly? Like.
2: It's terrible. So what we did for every show night, I brought in a one-pot meal. So for that, like, homemade soups, pastas, stew, anything that we could put together that was hearty, full of really good food. It was not, you know, here, I, I bought this from, usually they get like stacks of Little Caesars pizza and hey, I don't have a problem with Little Caesars pizza. But when it's been sitting out for two hours and it's cold and it's all they feed you for a week, I don't appreciate that. So I wanted to feed my actors actual good dinners and meals and stuff like that and they performed fabulously and then at the end of the show you don't have a horrible headache you're able to clean up you're in a positive mood and stuff like that and i just think take care of your body and i'm not saying you know stuff yourself like mad as fun as that is you just take care of yourself eat a good solid real meal if you have to pack your own lunch or pack your own dinner do that but if you take care of yourself you're going to be so much happier and you'll be able to perform better you'll be in better spirits and honestly everybody around you who's not doing that is going to envy you because you're doing the right thing
1: (laughs) so So, tim yes you told me a story once okay actually i'm going to preface this with I'll, i'll say this Tim and I've had some chats where, like, Tim is not a performance person, apparently. No, I'm not.
0: Like, I'm really not.
1: <laughs> but then he'll be like, oh, yeah, there was that one time that I walked across the stage during a show of Wicked, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> or, like, me? there was this one time that I was, like, a dancer and, like, a Boy Less thing, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then I'm just, I'm invested. Because I'm imagining Tim with all of his Daria-isms just, like, putting on a show and that visual makes me so happy it's like in a showing of like teen titans if they did that as a musical you would be the perfect raven
0: yeah i, I really would be and it's so funny i don't it, i don't attempt to be in performative things they just sort of happen around me sometimes and like with the um all boy dance troupe it was because of my ex-husband and oddly enough so was the walk-on role in wicked so <clears throat> when it ended up happening was Wicked was coming through town and uh, there was a special performance being put on by all of the actors who were traveling with the show. It was like a Christmas themed thing and they were going to have an auction. And some of the prizes were things like riding in Glinda's bubble or going backstage and watching them paint Elphaba green. Well, the biggest one was a walk-on role. (laughs) And my ex-husband absolutely loved to drive up bids. Like that was he was one of those very pretentious, um, pompous people who like he would drive up a bid just to get like, you know, more money for something. And so he could look important. So he starts bidding on this ultimate prize package. And it keeps going up and up and up, you know, it's after it's over a grand, then it's over two grand. And you know, some it finally topped out around like 3200 or something like that. And he was still bidding and, and he's like, forward towards the front of the stage and I'm way in the back and I'm trying to signal him I'm trying to do anything to get his attention to get him to stop because I know we don't have this money but he wins the bid I don't know what he did I don't know how many credit cards he maxed out but um he won and then he comes to me and he's like Merry Christmas and so he gave it to me and I it was a very fun experience to watch the whole show from backstage and actually get to walk across it in one scene and then participate in the final number um, I wish that uh, I had found out exactly how he paid for it. But, <laughs> you know, it's just it was it was one of those really awesome experiences that I'll never forget. But I don't like I said I'm not looking to be a performer. It just happens. I do have I do have one ambition. If I have one ambition to perform anything, it is to be aerial in the tempest. That
2: could
0: be fun. So our challenge to you,
1: dear friend. Daniel, you need to create a show in which Ariel from The Tempest and Jennifer Coolidge are in the same space?
2: I mean, I believe anything. Is that possible. would
0: be the weirdest Tempest ever if Jennifer Coolidge was Prospero. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Okay. We have to make this happen. <laughs> I'm
2: the, unfortunately, I'm the sort of producer who loves that weird stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's just do that. That's funny.
1: I love that view. you. are the peaches Christ of the gainer world.
0: God, can you imagine
1: that final monologue
0: if it were Jennifer Coolidge? <laughs> my charms are all done now. <laughs> oh, my charms are all done now. And
1: now I'm in the mood for a hot dog. Real bad. <laughs> and, then, and then you have to walk on stage in like a hot dog costume like, and it's me, and I have to wear like you've seen Drag Race Canada, right? Yes. Like Jimbo from season one, I need that size tit, and I'm just like yes. as AdSense foolish running around after this hot dog on stage, so like, oh, come back! <laughs> really, just one <laughs> <want a> nibble. <laughs> All
2: right, so let me take notes so that way we can make this happen because <laughs> that honestly, it made me interested in Shakespeare. <laughs> and I mean, I like Shakespeare, but. After a while, everybody's so serious about it. And I go, it's it's a 400, 500 year old play at this point. Do something. Like, let's queer it up. Like, then, there was then
0: you must not have seen the 16 billion adaptations of Romeo and Juliet because I saw one called Private Romeo where it was set in an all boys military school.
2: Oh, have fun. So <laughs> after a while, I'm just so sick of it. I'm like, I don't care anymore.
1: <laughs> no, I totally get that.
2: Um, like, oh, it reminds me of this one. Uh me, myself, I was like, Oh, this would be hilarious At the idea of uh, a winner's tale with the bear being set in a gay bear club. <laughs> I'm like, I want this now. I want this. This would be great. <laughs> I want this. So
1: As a as a Shakespearean character, like in Hamlet, like my uh my line on like real house was to be like, honey, exit pursued by a bear, honey every night at the club, honey, exit pursued by a bear. Okay. Uh. <laughs>
2: Okay,
1: but now yeah, you have bad. to that just, just that uh, <laughs> Oh my god, exit pursued by a bear. Just the one. Oh, it must be a slow night for Miss Coolidge.
2: <laughs>
0: You're such a dork. <laughs> uh,
2: no, he's a theater person. That's just what we are. Okay.
1: This is the thing, because I feel like any theater person who does like voices or impressions or says stupid shit like the obvious intention is to make people laugh because i'm being silly laugh laugh look at me i'm being a clown right now let's laugh and let's all have fun and some people get so just like that's not funny or like why are you doing that you're being really weird and it's just like non-theater people are like the fucking worst
2: when they just don't get it
1: you know, yeah. it's like, if you want any kind of weird, wacky, wonderful, get thee to the theater ASAP because honestly, right now. it'll it'll
0: fucking change your life, you know? It's fantastic. I, t- yeah. I tell you, I would love to do something very similar to, like, the Goes Wrong show where it's like oh, a yeah. really bad pantomime and, like, everything yes. keeps fucking up and we have to just keep going. Like, yeah, that I could I- commit to. I haven't seen it
1: yet, even though I live here in London because, you know, lockdown. Um, but I'm so keen. I have to see it. Right, right, absolutely. But even even that, like, I saw a clip recently that showed like some of the behind the scenes because obviously it gained notoriety a few years ago because it was part of the royal gala comedy performance when they do. At the murder and how the and you know, there's the woman who stands behind the door. If they find out about our affair, we'll be suspects. And the door flies open, and you hear the sound crack, and she gets whacked in the face, and she just goes, and like slumps to the floor. And obviously, everyone's like.
0: And they have to spend all that time trying to get her out of the scene through the window. She's wearing
1: comic underwear with like little love hearts and rubber duckies on them and (laughs) (laughs) limbs flapping around all over the place. But I saw this behind the scenes shot of this like apparatus that they'd rigged with the door so that you have to, set up the mechanism specifically for that sound effect to occur because what happens is when the door fully opens it's got like this extended plank on the other side that when it opens it swings around and claps against this thing which is what makes the sound of it cracking against her face but obviously it doesn't actually hit her she's against the wall it stops a reasonable distance away all she's got to do is hear the sound and and drop but it's like that's the magic of theater you I love theater know. like if people could see what like the mice that go that scurry around behind the scenes like pulling ropes making sound effects happen uh,
0: oh, yeah. sounds oh my god it just it's magic so I'm curious about this I don't know if this is actually possible on a stage but then again considering that the goes wrong show is filmed on a stage this probably actually did happen One of the funniest things I ever saw was it was called 90 degrees and it was because they got the set design wrong and they actually built a set at 90 degrees. So everything that should be on the floor is on the wall and they have to (laughs) sit at a table as if they're sitting (laughs) on the floor when really they're, you know, suspended from the wall. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. uh, Is that possible to do in theater? Could you build a set on the wall and then expect your actors to be up there?
2: Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I think that would be not that hard to do as long as you trained and you had enough planning in advance and enough safety. <laughs> oh, sure. uh, but, but I think, yeah, that doesn't sound at all impossible to do.
1: Like I've done a show where like they had yeah. a live horse and because it was a live horse, it was a stallion. It could not go on the stage. It would have been too heavy for the stage. So they had to literally like change the theatre because they had movable seating. Because you could pack all the seating away and make it into a dance hall. They had movable seating where you could shunt it over just enough so that the emergency exits could be thrown wide open. And they had it so that all the doors were thrown open. All the lighting on stage gets fucked. Because this giant horse has to walk in over to the stage. And it's literally so tall that the girl can just step off the stage and mount onto its back. Like, and then they just did a little trot around in front of the audience. And out the door they went. Like, it's amazing what people can make happen with theatre. Right. But they do say in theatre, never work with pets or kids.
2: Animals, <laughs> childrens, or drag queens.
1: I, I just love talking about theatre. But um, one thing I love more than really good theatre is really bad theatre.
2: Oh, gosh. So I was showing oh, no. recently,
1: recently, um, you're aware of the Legally Blonde musical. In the yes. opening number, there's the scene where, you know, the girl tries to sell her the wrong dress and she's like oh my god l our mistake corny take your break just ignore her she hasn't been well and like there's this high note that almost every girl bungles and there's this video where you can youtube it and it's a compilation of girls fucking up this note and it's (laughs) incredible (laughs) it just makes me so happy You hear this Uh, confident girl go, I take care of my best clientele. It's a gift from me to Elle. Like, it's just, ooh, uh, nails on a chalkboard. But also, I just sit there and I'm like, chef's kiss. Ah, so good.
2: It reminds me of my uh, one music director I worked with that said, if you're going to make a mistake, make a big mistake. Oh, yeah. (laughs) one hundred. Own it. Just do it.
1: Also, if the audience don't know this is a mistake, they could think it's a part of the show. There right. are plenty of musicals with musical numbers where there's like a, a record scratch moment where you are meant to bungle the note because it's uh, an
2: interruption. Yep. You're singing, oh,
1: but wait, Tiffany, wait, what, I was in the middle of singing my song. Like, you know, it, it,
2: yep. it happens. A really good actor can sell a mistake or any any kind of perceived flaw, because sometimes it's, I don't consider a flaw because I have an actress... Who is a phenomenal character actress, uh, and she has a speech impediment. She has a noticeable stutter, or when she speaks, uh, she's so. I don't care about her stutter because it's. I don't care. I'm just that kind of director. I'm like, you're just such a fantastic actress. You're going to be a lead because you just did a fantastic job at this audition. Mm. Audiences are convinced her stutter is fake. Oh, I love that. They think that it's part of her character because she's such a good actress and there have been theater companies that would not cast her because of her stutter. And I'm like, but you're not hearing the actress. Yeah. You're, you're in- interrupted by this thing that as she rehearses, it smooths out because she gets more comfortable with the roles and the lines, stuff like that. So it's like barely there, but you're like bothered by it because you're strange. And then I put her in a major role and she wins like every award and everyone thinks that her stutter is fake because She's so good. Because she's just they're like, you're just fantastic. And I'm the only director that sees that for her, which frustrates me.
1: Have you ever personally had a costume mishap on stage?
2: <laughs> Never on stage because our costuming is, like I said, we, we plan it so that way, no matter what kind of fluctuations you have, we kind of make it work, stuff like that. But for Halloween this year, and I, I know that's not quite on stage, but... Uh, I was dressing up as a dice quith from A Gentleman Guide to Love and Murder. And uh, I hadn't realized how much weight I'd put on over lockdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the vest that I had, which was like a two X, giant vest originally, uh, Mm -hmm. didn't fit anymore. (laughs) And I had to let the vest out in the back. uh, So that way I could just have it closed. So that was a fun experience. And then uh, basically wearing like 18 layers of shapewear just so that way I could fit into my nice looking pants because I had not prepared in advance like I normally do. (laughs) So I was basically like the world's fattest dice quest (laughs) at this Halloween party and begging that nothing actually happened. It didn't because I was, I don't want to say I was lucky, but I was just, yeah, that's the closest that's ever come to a wardrobe malfunction on stage because you
1: prayed to the right to the theater world.
2: gods that night a little bit a little bit i prayed to Cespus and then dionysus
1: <laughs> i will say as well like for anyone listening who doesn't know this theater people are like outside of like church and religion are the most like spiritual and I should say superstitious people.
2: Oh, we're hugely superstitious.
1: Oh my God. Like you will get a theater person who will be like, you said the name of Macbeth in this theater. She's going to get murdered. I'm going to get cancer and he's going to die. Like it's all downhill from here. The show is over. The funding's getting pulled. The audience member is going to get dismembered. You can't spell member without dismember. It's all happening. Everything's horrible. And you've ruined it because you said Macbeth in this theater. Every theater is also haunted.
2: Every theatre is also haunted. I love that. Every theatre is also
1: haunted. There are always ghosts in the theatre and they probably uh, were either actors on the stage, they were either the leads or they were like the unsung like, tech heroes in the back. One of them mm-hmm. got like crushed by Falling Light one time back in 73 and their body was never recovered somehow. Like, the mythos yes. is always strong. Um, yes. But we do have one final question for you, Daniel. What advice would you give to performers who want to keep growing?
2: Okay, Uh, be realistic about the production that you're going to join, do research, so that way you know kind of what is expected of you. For instance, if you wanna be a part of Newsies, which is, you know, go and do it, honey. If that is your dream, go and do your dream. I will never stop you. But that is a dance-intensive show. And you are probably going to be doing a lot more physicality than you would be in, say, doing Long day's journey into night, or proof, or something that's uh, basically just sitting and talking.
1: Daniel, thank you so much that it has been a pleasure having you on today. Thank you for your time. Where can people find you, and where can people find the work that you do?
2: All right, so you can find me on Grammar. That's basically like one of the only things that I really am on that you could talk to me through. Uh, Big Dreamer, that is my handle. Uh, My company is Master Mystery Productions on Facebook, so if you are actually at all interested in work that I do, start there, and you'll find all of the crazy stuff that we do. Uh, See me in progressively tighter-looking costumes over the years. Uh, And yeah, just, I am hard to shut up when you start talking to me, so If you love theatre and you want to talk about the show that you just saw, please message me. I want to know more. Beautiful. And thank you so much, both of you, for having me.
0: You're welcome.
1: Thank you for being on, sharing your love, passion, and experience. But that's a wrap for now here on Thick Radio. Please remember to like and subscribe, rate us five stars, and leave a good review. If you like this episode, the podcast, or just us in general, share it with your friends and encourage them to tune in. As always, you can find me on Grommer, Instagram, and TikTok at Stanham, and Twitter and YouTube at StanhamG.
0: And you can find me on Grommer as Orpheus. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Thicky Mouse. And of course, you can find more of what we've talked about today on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Patreon at Thick Radio. So until next time, bye fats.
1: Bye fats.
0: Let's talk about it.
1: Dick Radio is a Patreon and enter app podcast produced by Stan and Diggy Mouse. Mixed and mastered by Stan. Our artwork is provided by Loki Our
2: theme song is provided by Body By Cream.